Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, happy Thanksgiving, church. Happy Thanksgiving. Because everyone's hungry, they're waiting for the food. And um, if you can turn in your Bibles to the text that uh, our elder Bruno read, it's Colossians 4. And, um, you know, millions of Canadians this weekend are celebrating, they're gathering together, they're reflecting on what they're thankful for. And I have to be honest, um, as we were doing that time going around sharing, I, uh, I am deeply um, thankful for each and every one of you. I really, I know some of you mentioned church family, but I really am deeply thankful for each and every one of you. So you can turn to Colossians 4. <clears throat> we're, we're, we're a family, right? The church, um, not just the local church, that's us here, but also the universal church, we belong to a family. Just think about that. Those of us who are in Christ, um, this is your family, and you belong. Uh, You know, that word belonging somewhere, to belong somewhere means that you share a bond with these people. You you, you have a shared purpose, right, a common goal, uh, and, and this is a place where you are accepted. When you say you belong somewhere, it means you are accepted here. So that's what we have here in the church. And yet, if we're, if we're honest, as nice as that sounds, um, the church doesn't always feel like a place where you belong. Now, you're all looking at me like, what? But, but if you're honest, and, and I'm speaking to the Christians, um, there may have been times in your life where you walked into the church and you actually felt, do I belong here? Do I belong here? And and if that's the case for us as Christians, imagine for the non-Christian who walks through those doors and every time they set foot inside a church like ours, um, this is the very same question they're asking themselves. Do I really belong here? Do I really belong here? And why do they ask that question? Well, because when you walk into a room like this, walk into a church, and you see all the other people around, and you see them, and then you you consider yourself, what do you realize? You realize that everyone is so different. Isn't that true? Everyone is so different from you. They don't know what you've been through, and they don't know what you're going through, They don't know your past. They may not even be in the same season of life as you. So the question you ask yourself is, how can I even belong here with a group of people that are so, so uh, different than me? How can we belong together? How can we relate? And so it is this question that I hope to answer this morning as we come to the end of Colossians as... um, as our brother elder, our elder Bruno read, I mean, we've been in this series for four, four months? Four months. So I can't believe we've come to the very end of this letter, uh, the final chapter, chapter four. 
And so at this, at this point in the, in the letter, Paul is giving his, his farewell, right? He's, he's saying bye. You know, at the end of the letter, you're, you're signing off and you're saying, okay, bye. But before he says bye and before he ends that letter, I want you to picture this like, um, you know when you take a selfie and you, you have your phone and you, and you take a selfie and you have a bunch of people who are there? right? Like your friends are all there, your, your partner's in the ministry. So Paul is taking a selfie, and so this is the picture that he's going to now send at the end of his letter. And as he's sending that picture, he's saying, well, so-and-so, oh yeah, so-and-so says hi. Jason says hi, by the way, right? Oh, Keith says hi, right? Someone else sends their greetings. And that's what we're reading here in this section that was, that, that, um, that was read to us earlier. Now, um, I have to be honest, when I first saw this, this passage that you just heard read, I was thinking to myself, like, is this a section that we should just skip through? <laughs> Can I be honest, please, right? As you heard it read, did you not think that? Like, this is like almost like, what is this? What, what, what is God trying to tell us through this list of names? That's what it was. It was a list of eight names. And so if you, if you thought that as well, if you thought, oh man, should we just skip ahead to the good part? Um, you're not alone, okay? Because I honestly, I thought that as well when I began. But, but as I looked closer, um, what I realized that these were more than just um, names of people who partnered with Paul in his, in his ministry. Um, these people, each one of these people um, had a different story. They had a different story, kind of not, not unlike you and me, a very different story, if, if you will, a backstory. You know, in movies or, or, in, or in, a, in a serial show you're watching, there's always a backstory to the character, right, that you discover as the show goes on. And each one of these people had a different story, and yet, as different as they were, they all belonged in the picture. They all belonged in the picture. The church. And so what I hope you're going to see as we go through this text this morning is that your story is not so different after all. It's not so different. And if they can belong to the church, if they can belong to Christ, you can too. You and I can too. So with that introduction in mind, let's begin. And again, if you, have your, you need your Bibles for this, um, I'm going to give you a small disclaimer as we begin. You're going to learn a lot of new names Okay, as, you, as, as our elder was uh, reading through, there's a lot of new names you're going to learn, and you're going to pronounce them wrong. I'm going to pronounce them wrong, but that's okay, because how many people have mispronounced my name, right? Ian Jerusalem, like, how many people have done that, right? So it's okay, but we're going to do our best. So let's begin in verse 7, look at your Bibles, verse, starting in verse 7, Paul speaks of the first character in this, in this uh, picture, this selfie, the first person right up front is this guy by the name of Tychicus. Okay, Tychicus. Look at, look at what he says. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister, and he's a fellow servant in the Lord. And verse 8, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. He may encourage your hearts. So, I don't know about you, but when I picture someone who belongs in the church... Okay, like the stereotypical, the person who belongs, the church person, the church guy, this is what I picture. Isn't it true? 
this is the kind of person I pictured, the, 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 the one who is faithful. And that's the first group of people who belong in the church, the ones who are faithful. Um, if you remember, where was Paul when he wrote this letter? Prison, yeah, prison. He was in prison in Rome. And so there were a lot of people who were out to kill Paul. There were a lot of people who were trying to twist his words in order to betray him. And so for Paul to trust someone, to trust someone to be able to tell them all his activities and to trust that person to go and share that with others tells you just how faithful Tychicus was. Tychicus was a faithful guy. Look what he says in verse 7. He calls him a beloved brother, which means that Tychicus, his love wasn't fake. You know, sometimes we come to church and, and we, 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 lo- we say we love each other, but, it, but, but it's not really, it's superficial. It's, his love was real. Look at the second thing. Paul says, Tychicus, um, oh, verse, verse uh, 7, uh, Andy, Andy. Um, Tychicus is a, is, a, is a fellow servant of the Lord. He didn't serve himself. He was a servant of Christ. This is who Tychicus was. And in verse 8, at the very end, see what Tychicus' presence does to other people. It encourages them. Do you know anyone like that in this church? There are some of you like that in this church who are faithful and you encourage others. Tychicus was so loyal, he was so trustworthy that in verse 8, if you look at verse 8, um, it says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose. And I hope you don't miss what we're, what we're learning here. We've been going through this whole letter for like several months, and now we're learning who was it that delivered the letter from Rome, where Paul wrote it in prison, all the way to Colossae. Who was entrusted with the monumental responsibility to do that? It was Tychicus. Right? You see that, right? I have sent him to you so that you may know. Tychicus was the carrier. And not just that. I want to sh- this is so cool. Look at this. If you go to Ephesians, Andy, Ephesians chapter 6, at the very end of Ephesians, which is an- another letter that Paul wrote, look what he says. You'll, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, this is deja vu. So that you may, this is Ephesians, not Colossians. He says, so that you may also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, there he is, The beloved brother, faithful minister, will tell you everything. Next verse. I have sent him to you for this very, does that sound familiar? Very purpose. That you may know how we are and that that he may encourage your hearts. So in all, three out of the 27 books of your New Testament, the Word of God, which we still read 2,000 years later, Three of those letters, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon, were all delivered by the hand of this guy, this man, Tychicus. So this was Tychicus, a faithful person in the church. And um, I don't know about you, I'm thankful for people like this. I'm thankful for that there are people like this in the church who are faithful. But when you hear that story, I don't know about you, but for me, I thought to myself, that's not me. No one's entrusting me with that kind of responsibility, right? To be that loyal, to be that faithful. And maybe you feel that way too. And so Paul now goes in verse 9 and tells us about a different person, a person with a different backstory that's not as polished as Tychicus. Look at verse 9. Let's go back to our text, verse 9. And look what he says. With Tychicus, traveling with Tychicus is another man by the name of 
Onesimus. Okay? And you may, not, you may remember Onesimus because pastor spoke about it last time, but I'm going to refresh your minds. He says, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. Notice, that's similar to what he said about Tychicus, right? Similar, similar description, and yet uh, a different story. He says, Onesimus, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So the first group of people who belong in the church are those who are faithful, the ones who are faithful, and right beside them is another group of people, those of you with a broken past. Those of you with a broken, sinful past. You, too, belong here. That's what we learned from Onesimus. You, too, belong here. So I want to give you a little background, okay, just so you understand the backstory of Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He was a runaway. He was actually from Colossae, where this letter is going. He was there. He was, he was a slave for a, for a fellow by the name of Philemon, who had then become a Christian in Colossae. But, but Onesimus had stolen money or property from Philemon, and he was on the run. He ran away. And he, and he fled as a fugitive because now he, people are after him, right? So he fled as a fugitive. And you know how far he went? He went all the way to Rome. Because that's what you do. If you're trying to escape detection, where do you go? You go to the most populated city in the empire. And at that time, that was Rome. So Onesimus is running away from his broken, sinful past. And the way God works throughout Scripture, again, we see it here, where God had other plans. God had other plans. And by his sovereign grace, Onesimus ran right into none other than, none other than who? Paul. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're trying to run away, and then you run into the apostle Paul. Paul shares the gospel with him. He repents. He believes. And, and that's why Paul says in this passage, verse 9, he is accepted now as a faithful and beloved brother. He had a broken past, but he's accepted. I want to tell you just how much the gospel transformed Onesimus. He transformed him so much. Do you know what he did? He went back to Colossae, to, the, to Philemon. You know, the, the master that he defrauded, he went back to him. And Paul tells the church in this letter, in verse 9, he says, look at the middle of verse 9, he says, Onesimus is what? It's beautiful. What does he say? He's one of you. He says to the church, Onesimus is one of you. Not just that he's a Colossian. He's in the church. He belongs here. Despite what he's done, despite his broken past, despite who he was, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he belongs with you. Those whom the world would discard in a moment, Christ accepts into his family. Christ accepts him into his family. Um, you know, the letter of Philemon, it's a very short letter. It's one chapter. So if you want, go and read it later. It's, it's basically where Paul is writing to Philemon, this very Philemon, whose slave ran away and, and is coming back. And he writes to Philemon to tell him to, to receive Onesimus, okay? And I want you to see this. This is profound. Look at uh, Philemon um, from 15, um, Andy. Um, 
Look at, what, look at what Paul says. He says, For this perhaps is why Onesimus was parted from you for a while. Okay? Now, remember, Onesimus, yeah, he stole from you, right? He ran away from you. He defrauded you. But Paul is asking the question, why? Why did it happen? Why did God allow this to happen, even ordain this to happen? And look at the reason he gives. That you might have him back, what? Forever. Isn't that amazing? How Paul interprets what happened here. Yes, Onesimus did this out of his own sin, but, but God meant it for good. Next verse, look what he says. He says, no longer as a slave or a bondservant, but more than that, as a brother. So he's saying in verse 17, so receive him. That's what he says to Philemon. You receive him as part of the church. And in verse 18, um, this is important too. If he has wronged you at all, if he owes you anything, charge that to my account. Right? Which is important, church. You know why? Because in order to extend forgiveness, someone has to pay the price. Right? Someone has to pay the penalty. Paul says, I'll do it. This is, this is the most countercultural thing of that day and age. Maybe we don't understand because obviously we don't, we don't endorse, we don't support slave trade or anything like that today at all. But in those days, um, it was considered very normal to have slaves. And, 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 and in Roman society, Philemon would have been entirely justified to brutally punish and even kill his slave for what he had done. He was justified to do that in, in Roman society. But in Christ, the greatest wickedness of your past life is forgiven. It's not just swept under the... It, it's paid for by the blood of Jesus. It's paid for. Those things that you are desperately keeping hidden from everyone's sight, the broken and sinful past that you have been running from, you've run all the way from Colossae, you've come to Rome, that past does not exclude you from belonging to the church. Isn't that amazing? Aren't you grateful for that? Your past does not exclude you because Onesimus belonged, so can you. Verse 10, our next character is Aristarchus. Aristarchus, if anyone's having children soon, these are good names, right? Aristarchus, like I'm giving you lots of Aristarchus. You'll be the only Aristarchus, I tell you, in the class, for sure, right? Um, <laughs> Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. So Paul tells us of a third person now. And this person, this character, Aristarchus, represents those of you who are experiencing hardship in your life right now. And my main point to you is that your hardship, whatever you're facing, does not hinder you or prevent you from belonging in the church. Your hardship. Um, not much is known about Aristarchus, but what we do know is clear. He's a guy... Who, who suffered with Paul. He shared in Paul's suffering. He was a travel companion of Paul. Now, if you want an easy life, okay, if you, if you want to avoid hardship, the last person you choose to travel with is Paul. Am I right? Right? Why? Because hardship followed Paul wherever he went. So that's who our Aristarchus. I want to give you a glimpse of what he went through. Um, Acts 19, verse 29 they're in the city of Ephesus. Aristarchus is traveling with Paul. And look what happens. 
The city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and who? Aristarchus. There he is again. Who were Macedonians and Paul's companions in travel. This is hardship, isn't it? Like, like can you imagine this happening to you? Some, like a riotous mob coming, grabbing you, and dragging you through the streets of a foreign city. That's traumatic. Like, those are the things that lead to PTSD, don't they? This is just a piece. This is just a picture of this man's life. And if you fast forward to 62 AD, when, when, when Paul's writing the letter to the Colossians, look where Aristarchus finds himself. He's a fellow prison. He's sharing a prison with Paul. This is a life marked by hardship, suffering, persecution, and yet Aristarchus belonged in that picture. The picture that Paul took, Aristarchus belonged in that picture. And maybe there are some of you here that need to remember that. That, that your hardship, the baggage, right? You have baggage. You're bringing baggage with you. But that baggage does not hinder you from belonging to Christ church. It does not hinder you from belonging. Next, we come to Mark. Back to verse 10. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas... Verse 10, yeah, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have re received instructions, if he comes to you, Paul says, welcome him. Okay? Now, now this, this is the next individual. John Mark is his name, or as he's commonly known, he's known as Mark. And he represents another group of people in the church, and I like to call them the ones who are looking for a second chance. That's who Mark is. Okay? The ones who are looking for a second chance. Um, if you've been following our Acts Bible study, please come to Acts Bible study. Like, you know, we're in Acts chapter 14. It's on Thursday nights, um, once a month. But uh, that's just a plug. Um, in Acts 13, if you remember, Paul and Barnabas are on a missions trip, right? The very first missions trip in the early church. Paul and Barnabas, they're sailing. They're going here. They're going there. And along the way, what happens? They have this guy, John Mark, with them, the cousin of Barnabas. And on the way, when the going gets rough and, and, and hard, what does John Mark do? He says, I'm out. That's what he says. He says, I'm going back home. This is too hard. This is not what I thought I signed up for. I'm going home. And he deserted them. Do you remember this? Right? From, from the Acts study, Acts 13. He deserted them. And this was a huge disappointment, a huge discouragement, and a huge, like a, like a, like a complete betrayal in the eyes of Paul. Paul was so hurt by what Mark did, I want you to see what happens later on. Acts 15, Andy, that it led to Paul and Barnabas having a strife, having a rift. These guys were working together in the missions, and then all of a sudden, look what happens. Barnabas wanted to take John with them on the next trip, next verse, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them, who had given up who had failed in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And, and this was such a sharp disagreement. Next verse, it was such a, such a, a rift, and they, got so, um, they were so on opposite sides on this issue that they, that they separated. Barnabas said, I'll take Mark, and I'm going to Cyprus. And then Paul chose, chooses Silas, and he departs elsewhere. That's how bad this was. So, so, and this is, a big, this is a big thing in the early church. Paul, Barnabas, some of the most instrumental people, and all because of Mark. 
So if I can put it in layman terms, Mark messed up, right? Like Mark really messed up. And, and as you're reading this, um, it's, it's, it's hard not to judge him, right? Like as you're reading what he did and how it ended up affecting Paul, affecting Barnabas, affecting the early church, and you think to yourself, it's, it's hard not to judge him. But as I read this a little bit more and I thought about it and I thought about what he did and I realized that actually um, he's not that different from you and me, is he? Think about it. He's not, I can't speak for you, but for me, I can definitely say he's not that different from me. Because I can still remember times in my life, and I'm not just making this up, times in my life when I should have remained steadfast, but I didn't. I, I can give you, I'm not, I won't do it today. <laughs> I can remember times in my life when I should have spoken up, but I kept quiet. Times in my life when I should have done the, the thing I knew was right, but I did what was wrong, knowingly. Or how about the time when I should have persevered serving the Lord, but I gave up because the things got hard, and I cowardly withdrew to my comfort zone? I've done that. Or what about when God gave me that opportunity, an opportunity to, 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 to disciple someone or a responsibility, and I failed him? I've done that. What's my point? Folks, if the church is not a place of second chances, I wouldn't be here. And if I can be so bold to say it, I don't think you would be here either, right? I don't think any of us would be here. But thanks be to God that as Paul was sitting in that prison cell nearing the end of his life and he's writing this letter to the Colossians, the gospel of Jesus changed his own heart and he reconciled with Mark. He reconciled. He reconciled because he realized that in Christ, God has given all of us a second chance, hasn't he? He gave even Paul a second chance. Look what Paul, who Paul was. And so how could Paul not extend the same to a brother like Mark? Second chances. And so he tells the Colossians to welcome him, which means don't shun him. If he comes to you, yeah, I know what he's done. Don't shun him. You welcome him. You give him a second chance. And we should never underestimate the power of a second chance. Okay? Um, I want to tell you, do you know what impact Mark's second chance had? It's the very same Mark who wrote one of the four Gospels. That's the same Mark. The, the, the one who got a second chance. One of the Gospels that we still read even to this day. The Gospel of Mark. Because church, we are a room full of second chances. We are a room full of second chances. People who have failed and betrayed each other, and more importantly, who have failed and betrayed God. And yet, like Mark, we too can belong here. Isn't that amazing? Your past doesn't prevent you from belonging. Verse 11, um, the next character, his name is Justice. Well, his name is Jesus, but he's called Justice, okay? So it says in verse 11, these are the only men of the circumcision, okay, Jewish, right, Jewish background, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. You know, one of the easiest ways to feel like you don't belong somewhere is to look different. Isn't that true? You walk into a room and everyone looks different than you, that's one of the easiest ways to feel like you don't belong. 
And in the early church, where Gentiles or, or non-Jewish people made up the majority, if you were a Jewish Christian, you were different, right? You were in the minority. You, you grew up different than the other, other people. You had to leave different traditions and rituals in order to come to Christ. And this is who Justice was. His background was different than the rest. And yet, he belonged because your background does not prevent you from belonging in the church. Your background, your ethnicity, does not prevent you from belonging in the church. Some of you may say, well, I didn't go to Sunday school, right, growing up. Or I, I didn't have Christian lingo in my home. I don't know the Christianese, the words to say. Or some of you have come from an entirely different religious background, and what you converting to Christ cost you relationships. I know people right? In my own family, who coming to Christ meant their, their relationships with the closest people they love had to change. Some relationships might be lost. And so what happens to these individuals, these people from a minority background who come to Christ, they, they, they are shunned by their community. The people who once accepted them, even their own families, may, not, may disown them. And so what I want to say to you, if that's you, I want to say that you may not be accepted like you once were in the world, but in Christ, you are accepted in the church family. You are accepted in the church family because your background does not prevent you from being accepted here. Uh, which brings us to verse 12, the pastor, the pastor of the church, <laughs> um, the pastor of the church in Colossae who was Epaphras, right? Epaphras. Let's take a look at this, what, what, uh, what Paul says about Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you, obviously he's your pastor, right? A servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Now, I'm going to get you to try to remember the past. Four months ago when we started this series, way back in chapter 1, do you remember who was it that brought the gospel to Colossae in the first place? This guy, Epaphras. This was the man who brought the gospel to the city in the first place. He was the pastor who then left that church and went all the way to Rome to tell Paul how his little church was doing, which prompted the whole letter in the first place, this letter that we're reading. Church, are you not thankful that pastors like Epaphras belong to the church. Pastors even like our own pastor that God has given who belong here, who belong here. When you read, look at verse 12 for a minute, verse 12, and I want to ask you something. <clears throat> look at verse 12 carefully. Where else can you find someone who is praying this for you? Where else have you found someone who is always struggling on your behalf in their prayers? I know we're a praying church, and I'm grateful to be part of a church. We pray every week. We gather for prayer meeting. And um, so chances are there are people who are praying for your work, for your job, right? For your marriage, for your kids, for your education, maybe for your exam that's coming up or for this health condition. There's lots of people praying for these. But who is praying for this? that you may stand mature, which means that you would be complete in Christ. 
Who is praying that you would be fully assured in all the will of God? Do you know what that means? It means that you won't doubt God's word. That you wouldn't doubt God's plan for your life, even when it doesn't make sense. Who's praying that for you? Pastors like Epaphras. And I can say from knowledge, pastors like our pastor. Praying pastors are a gift they be that belong in the church. And I want you to see how far his prayers go. And this really challenged me, okay? Look at verse 13. Look at how far Epaphras' prayers went. Look at this. He says, For I bear witness, him witness, that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Do you know what he's saying? This pastor, he's a pastor of the church in Colossae, but the pastor wasn't just praying for his own church, he was praying for the church. Do you see that? These are neighboring churches, Laodicea, and they're, they're several miles apart. So, so this pastor, so, so if you want a challenge, okay, if you want an application, I know I'm not a very big an application preacher, I like to let the word speak to you and then you, you come up, the spirit gives you the application, but here's an application, right, right from the text. Go home, print off a list of all the members of our church and pray this for them. Pray that they would be mature in Christ, pray that they would not doubt God's plan and God's will for their life, and then don't stop there, pray for Kenmuir. Baptist Church. Pray for Aaron Mills, where we were. Pray for gospel preaching churches all across this region because that shows that you understand we all belong to Christ Church. Right? We belong to Christ Church. That's what Epaphras showed us. Which brings us to um, the second last person Paul mentions in verse 14. Can you believe it? We've gotten to seven people. Okay, here we are. Verse, uh, verse 14. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Okay? Luke. And the thing that I learned from Luke, and I think is very applicable to each one of us here, Luke shows us that what you do for a living does not determine if you belong in the church. Okay? What you do for a living does not determine your status or whether or not you belong in the church. It doesn't. You know, there are many people I know, and perhaps some of you here, to be honest, um, who are driven by your career. Driven by your career. Like, your job defines you. That's how you define, who are you? I'm this, right? That, that's how you define yourself. And the truth is, I have to be honest, many cultures including the South Asian culture that I'm from, many cultures glorify professional success. You're nodding because you know it's true, right? Many cultures do, not just our culture, many cultures do that. Glorify um, career success, achievement. And, and I don't want you to get me wrong. I firmly believe in, in the value of education. I'm still going to send my son to school, everything okay, everything's okay. Um, but... But Luke did not belong in the church because of what he did for a living. He didn't belong there because of his job. Despite, in fact, despite working in a secular field like most of us do, the Scripture tells us that Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul on multiple journeys. You know, Luke was basically the very first medical missionary, if you will. That was Luke. 
And, and, and I hope you recognize this. The greatest things that Luke ever did in his life, the things that we still talk about today, 2,000 years later, have nothing to do with his medical practice. Do you realize that? Have you ever talked about the health care that Luke provided to his patients? No. What you, what you know about him is what God used him to do, which is to write down the Gospel of Luke and the, and the Acts of the Apostles, which again still bless us to this day. That's what you remember. Because you see, church, your title at work, now I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm just being honest. Your title at work might get you privileges and benefits and perks and it probably gets you access to things that others don't. It gets you preferential treatment. But in the church, it gets you nothing. Not here. Not here. And do you know why? Because, this is beautiful. Because in the church, the physician and the tent maker traveled side by side. Think about that. The physician and the tent maker traveled side by side. In the church, when you walk in, you check your resume at the door. You walk in as a sinner, like, like each one of us, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's who we are. So, we've covered seven very, very different people, and I've told you that they all belong in this picture. And you may be thinking to yourself, okay, well, I can't even see what the commonality is, right? Because they're all so different. They have such different stories, just like each one of us. So, what is the unifying theme? And, and to answer that question, the fundamental question, we need to look at this last name. Okay, and if you read verse 14 too quickly, which I did initially, to be honest, um, you may well have missed his name altogether. It's only three words that Paul dedicates to this guy. His name is Demas. Okay, his name is Demas. Now, even though I said you can name your kid all these, Demas sounds too much like demon, right? So don't, don't name anyone Demas. I don't know. If you, if you have, it's okay, but if you have a chance to change it, just <laughs> Demas. Um, so Paul comes to this last person. Remember, this is a selfie, right? He took a photograph, and the last person, he says, okay, he, he says hi, he says hi, he's, and then he says, as does Demas. So Luke gives his greetings, and as does Demas. So when you first read this, it sounds no different than the rest of the seven, right? Like, like this greeting, it, it sounds exactly the same. So it's safe to assume, it feels, that Demas must have been part of the church, right? He must have belonged to the church. Why else would Paul mention him in this, in this picture? But sadly, the story of Demas is not like the stories we've heard this morning. Um, Paul wrote this letter in 62 AD. Okay, The timing is important. Several years later, some say 65 to 67, he wrote 2 Timothy. Okay, 2 Timothy. And I want you to bring up that verse, uh, Andy. And in 2 Timothy, we learn what ultimately happened to Demas, this Demas. Paul says, for Demas, um, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Has deserted me. So after talking about seven different, very different people who all belong to the church, now Paul is ending with one person who actually did not belong. Who did not belong. And why, you may ask, right? So, so what's so different about Demas? 
What is the thing? What is the reason that he did not belong to the church while all those other seven guys who were so different, why did they belong and he didn't? And what does Paul say? He says, because Demas was in love with this present world. That's why. That's why he didn't belong. He was in love with this temporary, sin-stained world and not with Christ. And not with Christ. And not with the world that is to come because of Christ. This is who Demas was. And you know the scary part about Demas? The scariest part about, other than his name sounding like, anyways. The scariest part about Demas is that when Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians, what we're reading now, at that time, by all appearances, Demas looked like he belonged in the church. Does that scare you? That scared me. That means Demas said all the right things, and he did all the right things, and he talked the talk, and he, and he looked and he dressed the part. He was probably even involved in ministry, right? Why? Because all the other seven people Paul mentioned are people who are involved in ministry. So I'm assuming Demas must have been involved in ministry for Paul to even mention him. But his body might have been in the church, but his heart was not. His heart was in the world. And time revealed that to us. And if that's you today, um, can I just say, the charades can't go on forever, right? At some point, maybe not in Colossians, but in definitely by 2 Timothy, the charade's up. The truth comes out. Because if anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in you. I'm not saying that. Can you bring that up, please? Um, uh, 1 John 2.15. Just keep this with you. If, uh, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in you. You don't love God if you love... I'm not saying we don't care for this world. No, I'm saying loving the world and not God. If you love the things in the world, the desires of your flesh, the desires of your eyes, if you, if you, if you take pride in your possessions, that's not from God. That's not of God. That is of this world, this present, passing world. And only those who love Christ, only those who really love Christ from the heart belong to Him. Only those who love Christ. And so as I conclude this message, um, it really all comes down to that question. Do you love Christ? I'm not talking about what you're doing or what you're saying or what you're doing in ministry. In your heart of hearts, do you love Jesus Christ? Because you could be faithful, like Tychicus, doesn't matter. You could have a broken past like Onesimus. You could be in hardship like Aristarchus. You could be looking for a second chance like Mark. You could be a minority like Justice or a pastor like Epaphras. Or you could be a professional like Luke. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. The only thing that matters is do you love Christ? Do you love Christ? Because if you do, you belong here. If you do, you belong in his church. And so as we end this letter to the Colossians, I'll just take one more minute. Um, 
because we've come to the end of this book, right? This whole, this whole four chapters. And as you remember, chapter one, chapter two, chapter, all the things we've learned, is this not Paul's main point? What he was trying to tell us, that no matter who you are, no matter how different your story may be, because our, our stories are different, right? Our stories are different. But it is Christ alone who can forgive you for your sins by his death. It is still Christ alone who can give you life eternal by his resurrection. And you may be like Demas today, and you may be fooling everyone, right? By your talk and by the way you're behaving. But there is someone who sees and knows the heart. And so that's my appeal to us this Thanksgiving. Whether you're a believer or not, I want to tell you, let us not love this present world, this present, passing, temporary, um, broken, unfulfilling, and dying world. Let us repent. Let us believe in Christ. He is the all-sufficient, the one and only Savior. Let us love Him. And if you do, you will really have a reason to give thanks this, this weekend. You will really have a reason to give thanks because those who love him belong to him. Let's pray as we close. If you can stand, actually, in the worship team, if you can come. <clears throat> as they come, let's, let's um, quiet our hearts before the Lord and let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Um, thank you so much, Lord. This is... Uh, a Sunday we give thanks, but it's not just this Sunday, Lord. This is the theme of our life. If we're a Christian, if we have been saved from death, if we've been forgiven, if we've been given this grace, oh, Lord, we have a reason to give thanks. And um, every one of us, oh, Lord, has a different story. Every one of us. And sometimes we, we don't know if, we, if we're understood by others. We don't know if we really belong or if we really fit here. Do people even relate to me? Everyone's in a different season. We have all these different doubts about our belonging here at church, not just in our church, but in the church. But Lord, from this passage and from this whole book, we see that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He belongs to you. We have been purchased. We have been freed from slavery to sin. Oh, Lord, I just pray that if anyone is here and they've been convicted, that they may be a Demas today. They may be uh, going through the motions, you know, saying the right things, maybe doing the right, looking like they're doing the right things. Um, but in the heart of hearts, um, they're in love with the present world. If that's the case, Lord, I just pray you would open eyes and open hearts. Help us, oh God, to to see this present world for what it really is. It is a decaying, dying world. And in the midst of that dark background, you are shining as the only light, the only light. And so I pray that you would help those who are walking in darkness to see that light and to be welcomed um, and to belong by loving Christ for what he has done and who he is. So we thank you. We give thanks for all of this, Lord. And even in this time of worship, Lord, I pray that we would, our hearts would give thanks to you for what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.